Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hi there. Welcome to the Business Line State of the Economy podcast. This is Nabodita Ganguly. Our guest today is Anurag Mittal, head of fixed income UTI mutual fund. Today we will be discussing about the central bank policies, interest rates, currency, bond yields and much more in this podcast. Listen in. Hi Anurag, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot Nabodita for inviting us. Thank you. So Anurag, now the RBI monetary policy is the talk of the town. So let's begin with that. Will inflation and price stability continue to be the core focus area for the RBI? How will things go? Right. So uh, I think given that growth uh, you know, is at a very good level, even compared to RBI's forecast now for consecutive two quarters, and even the outlook for you know future growth is also quite stable compared to some of the global central banks where outlook for growth is now weakening. And even if you look at the trajectory of inflation for RBI compared to some of the other global central banks, we have been seeing one-off food price shocks at different points of time due to some issues in supply chain, sometimes due to erratic rainfall, etc. And even going forward, at least in the next couple of months, we may continue to see some food price pressure. So while core inflation is quite encouraging, but uh, nevertheless, food price continues to be a concern for RBI. And we believe that RBI will take its time and they will want to focus on price stability and they may continue their stance on policy rates as well as liquidity till they see a decisive disinflation on food front. So now talking about interest rates, when do you think interest rates will begin moving lower? Right. So if you look at uh, you know what RBI has been saying all along, RBI has been maintaining that their inflation target is 4%. And if you look at the last couple of years since uh, we have been exiting the pandemic, inflation has been at 5% and, and above for a, for a while now. So we believe that at least RBI will want to see inflation uh, at least near to 4 if not 4 before they have a confidence that they can uh, you know, start cutting interest rates, or they need to see uh, a large growth shock where, the again, the policy focus shifts away from price stability to growth stability. Given that growth stability is not really an issue right now, we believe that probably RBI will be in that position where they have more confidence on inflation uh, in the second half of the calendar year 2024. So probably somewhere uh, between June to August is where we think that RBI will be in a position to uh, you know, lower policy rates. But mind you, uh, the, the rate cuts that you know, we will see probably from the advanced economy central banks such as UK or the uh, ECB or the US, we may not be able to see uh, those many rate cuts in India because uh, the level of inflation and the level of rate hikes that have happened globally, they have been quite significant compared to their past 10-15 year trend. And But if you see RBI, RBI is not way above the, the pre-pandemic levels. So probably 
it will be you know reasonable to expect a 50 to 75 basis rate cut in this monetary policy cycle when it starts like i said again in 2024 but uh, talking about the rate cuts in case consumption starts taking a hit due to higher right. rates do you think right. there will be some pressure on the rbi to cut the rates while consumption may slow down in the near term because of uh, tightening of financial conditions or because of the base effect but i think there is a slight nuance there that one there a certain slowdown is expected uh, you know in uh, in the regular course of time and probably the slowdown that will happen in consumption will not be material enough to bring inflation and inflationary expectations now so if you see the core inflation core inflation is already uh, close to 4% you know so the consumption it's not that the consumption is a problem for inflation right now so even if the consumption continues to slow down from these levels which is expected to it may not result in a major disinflation in the economy because most of our inflation is supply side so what it broadly means is in a supply side inflation why rbi may not need to hike rates because it is again you know largely supply side but they can also not cut rates because what happens is sometimes these repeated supply side shocks often tend to translate into second route impact on inflation and also they result in an anchoring of inflation expectations which rbi uh, probably wants to avoid so now moving to the federal reserve for that matter as you mentioned that the way rbi is functioning and the way uk or usa will function will be pretty different so do you right. think there will be one more 25 basic points hike in december or do you think that the rate cycle for the federal reserve is done for now so if you look at the us price as well as employment data which the federal reserve has been looking very closely that's clearly indicating a loss of economic momentum and uh, if you also look at feds uh, you know various governor statements in the last couple of months they are also giving a lot of weightage to the tightening of financial conditions because the way interest rates moved up uh, across the curve uh, you know for them so probably at this point of time we we do not expect a rate hike unless and until uh, there is a major price uh, shock uh, in the next uh, let's say next month which is unlikely at this run rate but uh, so we largely believe that uh, at least for the us the rates have peaked and at some point of time uh, even the us will be looking at cutting interest rates so talking about cutting interest rates when you see the rates moving lower like is it happening anytime soon that's it doesn't seem like that right right so we also have to remember that central banks are also trying to bridge their credibility deficit so if you remember the first first half of 2021 uh, when most of the central banking narrative was that inflation is transitory and which uh, it wasn't because of repeated supply side shocks uh, they want to be very careful uh, and they want to be more sure before they start cutting policy rates so they uh, so so we believe that probably federal reserve or any other central bank barring a major economic shock which could be a financial shock uh, or a sovereign shock uh, other than that they would want to see at least uh, the incoming data for 3 to 6 months before uh, cutting rates 
And if you look at the sequencing of events, so if you look at the currently the situation, most of the central banks, whether you look at RBI or other global central banks, they are on a hawkish hold or on a withdrawal of accommodation phase. So the first sequencing will be probably change in the policy language, change in the way they are managing liquidity, and then probably they will move on to the easing of monetary policy, which will be a natural extension of, of these measures of overall uh, loosening of financial conditions uh, in the economy. So it sounds like it's a long way to go, basically. Uh, I think central banks will want some hard evidence mm -hmm. uh, and a longer trend uh, of disinflation uh, before they, they take more action because uh, in the last 12 months also, if you see, there have been many false flags where uh, there have been narratives that you know a hard landing is nearby or a major growth slowdown is nearby. And just uh, you know, in a couple of months, things have been uh, different again and the economies uh, globally have been much more resilient because of very strong you know, household savings, very strong government uh, capital uh, expenditure, uh, whether in India or in, you know, globally. So given that you know, there have been a couple of false flags in the past, we think, yes, the monetary easing is uh, some way to go before we can say that you know, uh, rate cuts are much more uh, near us and probably we can look for further rally across bonds. Now, talking about dollars, what's your view on the dollar? Will it weaken further from this level? And what are the implications of it for the Indian rupee? Right. So we don't trade dollar actively. Uh, we largely try to understand the trends uh, for dollar rupee just to you know take into account how it works into our inflation slash growth assumptions. If you look at the dollar, now, what really uh, will be critical for dollar will not just be how interest rates or growth pans out in the US, but also how growth pans out in the Eurozone or how it, how inflation pans out, for example, in Japan, which are the other major trading currencies which are relevant for dollar movement. So if you look at Eurozone, even right now, most of the economies are now facing recessionary pressures in the Eurozone. So, uh, in fact, if ECB uh, were to cut rates first, then or uh, you know before the US and the the growth drivers in the eurozone would be weaker, then probably dollar could continue to remain stable. So the 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 normal thought process is that if the US is cutting interest rates, if inflation is slowing down, if growth is slowing down, dollar should weaken. That so I think that is a slight I think. Difference in this, uh, you know, uh, in in this monetary policy cycle, that eurozone seems to be in a much weaker position uh, as 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 far as growth is concerned. And if even if you look at uh, inflation, the disinflation in the eurozone uh, is also much sharper right now compared to the U.S. because of you know the consumption engines there being much more weaker, com again, compared to the U.S., because U.S. had the benefit of very high fiscal stimulus, as well as the uh, the U.S. consumer did not really face the shock of the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, so, so, so that's why the U.S. household balance sheets are much more stronger. So probably if, uh, you, uh, you know, the Eurozone continues the way it is doing, we may not see 
too much of relative depreciation in the dollar. Uh, also, uh, secondly, on 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 the uh, how we would looking at you know Bank of Japan policy. Uh, if even if BOJ uh, continues the way uh, it is doing, and you know yen uh, continues to remain at these levels, again uh, because you know uh, the Bank of Japan continues to exit its accommodative monetary policy very very gradually, then again we would see. Uh, dollar continued to remain uh, stronger than the major currencies. I just had a follow-up question. With this concept of de-dollarization being followed by so many countries, so many talks about dollar not being the single like supreme monopoly anymore, do you think uh, that will have an overall impact or is it just something that we are talking about or is it something that's actually happening with it actually making dollar not as strong as it was ever right so, so it's a very interesting question and and thanks for asking that but if you look at you know the global trade denominated via dollars or whether you look at fx reserves denominated in dollars and if you compare today's reserves or global trade compared to last 20 years in fact the share of dollar has gone up is the share of pound and the share of euro is actually come down, but and that has been replaced by RMB. But largely, uh, you know, dollar has maintained its uh, dominant status, uh, whether you look at reserves or or global trade. The reason being, uh, you know, even today, the, uh, the there are not too many alternatives to uh, to uh, to you know to the US where a cent. And if you look at the requirements of any holder of a foreign currency, whether you're looking at a transparent economy, whether you are looking at an economy which is fully convertible, which is more rule-based, I think there are still not too many alternatives uh, when you uh, compare dollar to other uh, major global currencies. So at least I think it's still some time away. There are talks going on, but we still think that at least in the near to medium term, a dollar do, a dollar's dominant status uh, is not really uh, going away. So we'll wait and watch. Maybe it's a discussion for later we can have. Sure, sure. So now talking about Indian bond yields, people are talking about it a lot, about how it's pretty strong, how it's very attractive. They have remained fairly stable over a period of time. Right. So are there chances of them declining going forward as in, inflation dips? So Indian bond yields are relatively attractive in the sense that given uh, that we are expecting policy easing in the next six to nine months, uh, there is a scope for further rally in bondies. Also, the inclusion of uh, Indian bonds in JP Morgan Global Emerging Bond Index, which may lead to 20 to $25 billion of inflows, also reduces the demand supply gap that typically the bond market is, has been facing for the last couple of years, and it was largely reliant on RBI's, uh, you know, OMO purchases uh, or some other uh, large intervention uh, to, to to fill this gap. So, so yes, from a uh, from a tactical or opportunistic perspective, bond yields may see some easing, but if you look at from a long term trend perspective. Uh, given that we are expecting a very shallow rate cut cycle, the scope 
for bond yields to fall will really depend on how far uh, we are seeing disinflation in this policy cycle. So if we are looking at a 50 basis rate cut, let's say, in this monetary policy cycle, which basically means uh, a repo of 6%, typically uh, in India, 10-year, uh, for example, a government bond has traded 80 to 90 basis uh, over the repo rate historically. So if you uh, uh, assume that premium, uh, you know, it basically translates into a 680 to a 7% kind of a level. And we are right now uh, trading close to seven quarter. So yes, there is a scope for, for rally, but from a more medium term perspective, it will really depend on how far we are able to, uh, you know, ease policy rates, which again, ultimately depends on the level of disinflation that we see in the economy. At this uh, point of time, it looks like on an average, the inflation may remain in the zone of 5% rather than 4%. You explain that a bit. Why 5% rather than 4% for that matter? So if you look at the components of inflation, which is one, uh, I would say the food inflation or commodities inflation, and the second you look at core inflation. So if you look at uh, in the CPI series, and historically, you are seeing core inflation at one of its lowest in this financial year, right? And so most of the disinflation in India previously has come on the back of lower food prices. Given that we saw a El Nino you know, monsoon during this year, and it's also expected that even the next year, there could be erratic weather patterns, as well as there is a possibility of El Nino, you know, at least initially, there, we have to be open to the possibility that food prices may not come down uh, very materially. And also now, next year, you are all facing the base of a lower core CPI. So, so probably it will be difficult in the near term for this inflation to come to close to 4% sustainably. So we may come to, we may see some inflation prints in the 4% handle, but to see them sustainably at 4%, at least at this point of time, looks difficult. So it'll be hard for the common people. See, if you look at overall inflation, I, you know, it's about five five percent. We do expect some rate cuts even at this with this kind of average inflation, because, like I said, the five percent number that we are saying is, is an average. It's not. So I, I think broadly, if you look at in this, uh, you know, range of inflation, it's largely in line with what we have seen in the last five seven years. And it is an improvement of the COVID period where we were seeing inflation, uh, you know, in the range of 6% and upwards. So it is uh, an improvement to what we have seen uh, during uh, the pandemic period. And mind you, this is also coming on the back of uh, two large uh, geopolitical conflicts, uh, right? And uh, a lot of supply side shocks uh, across the world. So achieving this kind of inflation at such a you know uh, volatile backdrop uh, is also uh, not easy and uh, it it is quite you know uh, that way is, uh, I think uh, something to be uh, expected. Understood. Now I think uh, this last question is something that debt fund investors would love to know more about. What strategy would work best for debt fund investors in this current scenario? Right. So 
you know, typically when a debt fund investor is looking at fixed income, I think one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons when they look at fixed income is that they look, they are looking at stable returns. You know, and typically when they compare fixed income mutual funds, they compare with traditional fixed income investment options. So we think for for investors who are looking at stable returns, who are uh, comparing their fixed income mutual funds to other fixed income uh, investment options, a moderate duration like a short-term fund or corporate bond fund, we think is quite suitable from for investors who have more than 12 months uh, investment horizon and some appetite for intermittent mark-to-market volatility. If you look at the, you know, where the three to five year, let's say AAA PSU bonds are currently priced in, they are priced in somewhere between 770 to 780 kind of levels. So already if you see the correction in real yield for investors, it has happened meaningfully in the last couple of years. So today, if you even if you assume an average inflation of 5%, a bond yielding at 780 with some opportunity to participate in capital gains when interest rates start to ease off, they do present, we believe, a suitable uh, investment opportunity for investors uh, without taking too much of a duration. So so we think uh, funds like short-term corporate bond, banking, PSU, or other target maturity funds, uh, they do offer an attractive investment opportunity uh, for investors who have an investment horizon of more than 12 months. For investors who have an investment horizon of less than 12 months, they can consider ultra-short or low-duration funds, which uh, broadly uh, one, they match their investment horizon and they may exhibit lower mark-to-market volatility compared to higher duration strategies. And they are also yielding quite attractively. If you look at today, the one-year bank series, they are yielding somewhere between 780 to 790. So these are also quite attractive uh, levels for investors to consider even from a 6 to 12 months uh, kind of investment horizon. I think that's a lot to unpack for investors. That's really beneficial. On that note, Anurag, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. I think we are all hoping forward to what the RBI says tomorrow. And I hope this will, whatever you said, will have a broader understanding and help people to decode what's happening. Thank you so much, Anurag.